Does everyone have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we can get you one. Raise your hand. We've got a few in the back if you need one. Otherwise, you've got your phones. So I just want to share, I have personally really enjoyed studying through the Gospels chronologically. And as I've been able to do that and study and teach on it, I've been able to learn personally in the way that I should live that would be pleasing to God. I'd like to begin today's message before we even get going with a verse. A verse in Philippians. Because I think it is so applicable to last week's message, but also this week's message. So if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7 just to begin this message. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. You're all familiar with this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As I read that, it's just, you know, I was really, I've been so convicted lately as I've been studying that I really need to follow the call that Jesus has put on my life. But while I do that, I need to be completely surrendered to God in every aspect of my life. And this verse really just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just so relative to both what we studied last week and then again what we're going to study this week. I don't know about you guys, but there are a lot of distractions out there in the world. I don't know if you face that. There's a lot of things going on all around us. Um, there's different things that, um, you know, good and bad. I'm not even thinking they're all bad, all the distractions necessarily. Some of them are actually quite appealing to me. But the problem is they sometimes they distract me and they draw me away from God and what he has called me to do. Even good things can do that at times, can't it? It's crazy. I mean, I think about it. I, I know God has revealed to me what his calling is on my life and what he wants me to do. But yet, I still get drawn into other things at times. But when I study God's Word, and I take time with God in prayer, I always come back and get aligned with God's will for my life. I just love it. So last week, we learned about prayer and fasting. And after studying last week, I don't know about any of you, but I really kind of changed up this last week how I was praying. I started each day beginning with offering myself to God as a living sacrifice, saying, Lord, please use me. Use me this day for your purpose and your plans, whatever they may be. And each day I come before God in prayer. I came privately. I went, I got up, and I shut the door to my room. I prayed out loud, as I taught last week. And I first started my prayers, as we learned last week, with acknowledging who God is and what he has done for me beginning my prayer. And then as we had that outline next week, I would pray that Jesus would come soon. He would gather his church. I was following that model that God had, Jesus has given, not mine, but God, the model Jesus had given us. Then asking for provision and the power that I may accomplish his will on my life each day. Presenting my needs before him, asking for the needs of others to be met each day. I, I really believe, for me, 
as I prayed this way last week, that God made very clear to me his will upon my life in some areas that have been hard for me to accept. God has called me really to focus and do what he's called me to do well, to really focus in on that and stop getting involved in so many other things because I can get involved in all these different things. But God's made it very clear what he's called me to do. So I've been praying for his will each and every day and the ability to walk in that each day. Because even knowing his will, walking that out sometimes is a whole different thing. This week's been kind of strange. Have you ever known God's will for your life but wanted to do something else? I have. I've known God's will at certain points in my life and he's called me to do this, but I want to do this instead. But I was reminded this week, the best place I can be is walking in alignment with the will of God. Even though it's not always as I would have it all the time. So I just keep saying yes this week. Yes, Lord. And he continues to bless me and bless the work that's taking place all around us. It's amazing. In that prayer we learned last week, we were reminded of something, probably a very important lesson. That we are to ask, and I, I need help, to forgive others as God has forgiven us as we pray. To give the same grace, the same mercy, and the same love to all those around us that God has so freely given each one of us. Now, I can't do that on my own. I don't know if any of you can. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk this out each and every day. And then, as we learned last week, how do we close our prayer? We close in asking for protection as we go out into the world to share the gospel, to watch over us all. So, that was last week. I really enjoyed that message. Um, praying this way, I've really seen that um, it's just been a blessing. And it's really, as we pray this way, I believe we're being obedient to God's word. So today, we're going to learn even more how to live out our lives in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Let's begin. Open your Bibles up. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 19 through 21. Verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rushed destroys them. Where thieves break in and still, store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Whoever you treasure is there, the desire of your heart will also be. I think a lot of people are really familiar with this passage. Jesus' sermon, we've been going through it, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through this for a couple months, I don't know how long it's been. It's closing up today. Jesus is closing this sermon that he was given, addressing our hearts, and ending with, what do we treasure? Jesus teaches very clearly, we are not to store up treasures here on earth. I thought about this. I mean, you've got to ask, what are these treasures? What are, they, what are these things mentioned? In our time today, where we live, what are the things of the world that each of us would consider treasures? I mean, maybe it's money, cars, houses... Oh, it could be relationships, it could be phones, I mean, it could be a lot of things, right? But what are the things for each of us personally that we would work towards to store up as treasures? You know, in Jesus' time, I think it was probably a little different. I mean, they were storing up different things. I mean, maybe they could have a house, uh, maybe it was food, I'm not really sure. I think they did have some other possessions, obviously. 
But today, we have a lot more available to us, don't we? To store up, to work towards. As a lot of us hear from Western culture, I mean, that's going to embed into us to work hard and save up and plan out to get that, you know, that worldly treasures. You know, who dies with the most toys wins, right? You guys have heard that, some of you from America. So think about it. The things that we would each store up, these treasures, it takes, to store up treasure takes time, work, discipline, really even perseverance, doesn't it? If you really want to store up treasures... It's a lot of hard work to truly store up something of value. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 29 through 32. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus clearly teaches that we are to trust him and him alone. Now, I don't think this excuses us or isn't saying that we still should not be wise, right? And even save. That's not what he's saying here. It's about priorities and where our heart is, is really, again, what this is about. It's about the heart condition. You know, this should not be any of our main focus in life is to store up worldly wealth. That should not be our first priority. It's not to say that even some of us may, we may even be blessed with wealth. But each of our our time and our ability and our giftings should be used to store up treasures in heaven. Jesus clearly, if you turn back, he clearly, clearly states that whatever treasure that we are seeking... This will be the desire of each of our hearts. Yesterday, we had the men's breakfast. Some of you guys missed it. We had a lot of bacon, a lot of sausage, a lot of chorizo. It was wonderful. But Kevin shared his testimony, and he shared a little bit yesterday about desires of a person's heart. And I want to turn there real quick. Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. The passage says, if we seek the Lord, He will place His desires upon our hearts. So what are these treasures in heaven? What does God desire? What is heavenly treasure? What do you think that is? Heavenly treasures, what are them? I uh, thought about this and I prayed about this and I turned to Scripture and I turned to First Thessalonians. Let's turn there. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 After all, what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord? Jesus, when he returns. It is you. Yes, you are our pride and joy. So what does that mean? The treasure is us. Heavenly treasure All those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ are his treasure. I mentioned earlier about storing up treasure. It takes work, it took perseverance, it takes time. So the question is now, if that's what it takes to store up earthly treasures, what does it take to store up heavenly treasures? It would take the same. So the question is, are we each seeking the lost with the same desire as Jesus, even at the same cost? Are we seeking... 
that kind of treasure. This last week, after the men's study, I was really privileged to watch a lady accept Jesus as her Savior. That woman is a heavenly treasure in God's eyes. And we were able to walk alongside her for the many months, last months, and each day by day sharing Jesus. Now, I can't save her. I can't even... The Holy Spirit's the one that was truly working on this woman's heart. He's the one that saves her. But we were privileged to come alongside the Holy Spirit as he was working in her heart. And as the Holy Spirit worked in her heart, then she accepted that message. You know, you have a choice at some point. You're going to say, I hear you, Lord, and I come before you, or no thanks. But she said yes. She says, today, I want to be a Christian. That was a heavenly treasure. I think that's what we're talking about here. So is your desire to store up heavenly treasures or earthly treasures? Let's continue. Back in Matthew chapter 6, we look at verse 22 through 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. There's a lot in that verse, isn't there? When you read that, I had a lot of discussion over these, that verse this week. What does it mean? How do you interpret this verse? You know, here at this fellowship, we are adamant to believe. When you find a verse and you're like, what is, what is Jesus talking about here? How, what's the right interpretation of this verse? The lesson is, first you go to the verse before, And then if you still don't understand what that verse means, then you go to the verse after. And then you continue that process until you can see, starting with context, and start to understand what that verse means. So this example or this analogy that Jesus is given is directly related to the verses before and the verses after. Because I think this verse is misinterpreted a lot. So the question is, where is your focus? I believe what Jesus is after here. Where are you heading towards? What are you looking at? What do you see when you look out into the world? Are your eyes fixed and focused on the things of Jesus and his desires? Or are they focused on the world or something else? What do you see? Jesus, he's explaining through using this figurative example that we can only each truly focus on one vision. He says it's either light or darkness. We're either looking towards the light or the desires of Jesus, or we're looking into darkness, the things of the world. If we're trying to focus on both, how does that work out? The verse is clear. Our vision will be blurred, right? We know that if you're trying to look at two things at once, but it will be darkness. The light will not be clear. I want to share a quote concerning this verse from Warren Worsby. He says, God's word often uses the eye to represent the attitudes of the mind. If the eye is properly focused on the light, the body can function properly in its movements. But if the eye is out of focus and seeing double, it results in unsteady movements. It is most difficult to make progress while trying to look in two directions at the same time. If our aim in life is to get material gain, it will mean darkness within. But if our outlook is to serve and glorify God... There will be light within. If what should be light is really darkness, then we are being controlled by darkness, and outlook determines outcome. This verse here is referring 
to the things that we would look towards or the things that we would seek and where our focus is being placed. So Jesus has a lot more to say. Let's look at verse 24, back in Matthew chapter 6. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's one or the other, isn't it? The scripture is very, very clear. It's one or the other. Jesus very clearly warns us that we will either hate one or we will love another, the other. So the question still is there. It's still out there. What treasures are we seeking? Jesus says we'll be devoted to him or the world. So I was reading on this. I was looking at uh, Zondran commentary. And as I was reading it, it reminded me, which we've talked about this before, is what is love, right? A lot of people think love is like an act or a emotion. Really, love is an action. It's an outward action, what we do in response to something. You know, hate is the same way. So it was saying the biblical notion of hate and love understands them to be patterns of life, not simply emotional reaction. So when we look at this verse, we must examine our own actions and how we spend our time and our own gifting that God has given us. That commentary continued. It says, Does Christ or money occupy more of your thoughts, time, and efforts? Ask yourself, Have I taken Christ or financial security as my master? It's one or the other. Truly one or the other. Who is Lord of your life? Who or what do you serve? We all need to really examine and look at, how, look at our actions. How do we spend our time? How do we spend our thoughts? Because that will tell us who we serve. Let's look at verse back in Matthew, verses 25 through 27. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You know, as we look at this, the question is, do each of us truly trust God to provide? Do you really trust God to provide for you? You know, I especially, for me, I want to ask the men. I got the men a special question. Whose responsibility is it to provide for your family? That's a one. What do you think? What is the, men, what is the number one priority in your life? I know for me, for many years, I was going to be the great provider. I thought, you know, it is my responsibility, but it wasn't my first priority. It isn't my first priority, is it? God is. Is it to seek heavenly treasure or something else? What comes first in our lives? To be that provider or to be seeking the things of God? Jesus says, isn't life more than seeking provision? It is. Do you worry men? Especially, I really get this. I think the mothers might also could answer this. But do you worry that you and your family will be provided for? Do you trust God to provide? I mean, they're simple questions, but they're sometimes difficult answers, I think. 
to really honestly say, do you truly trust God to provide? Turn to 1 Peter 5.7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, I just went through that whole kind of exhortation about providing for our family and how God should come first and the things, the treasures of the world should come first. So that doesn't mean that we're just to sit around and do nothing, does it? We still work hard. We still have a lot in front of us each and every day to do, to accomplish. But then, as we work, do we trust God to provide inside of that? You know, Jesus here, he gives us back in Matthew, gives us a great example of the birds. And I really like this. You know, especially here in this city, there's a lot of birds. Uh, every morning, and birds, they're chirping away every morning. They wake us up about every other morning. And he uses this example for us. So what do we know about birds, each of us? Think about what do we know about birds and how they apply to this? I know birds are always singing. They're always chirping. They're up really early, these birds. They're always up really early. Now you think about a bird and its behavior during the day, once it's got up early. You ever seen a bird just sitting on a fence and just looking up with his mouth open, waiting for God to drop a worm in its mouth? No. Waiting for a bug just to fly into its mouth? Birds are busy. They're busy. They're out there, they're out there looking all over for their food. They're, they're looking to try to find these bugs or find worms or seeds to find all the things that the Lord has provided for them. So this example of the birds, we know they're, they're not worried about what they're going to eat tomorrow. They're busy gathering up God's blessings for that day and being fulfilled each and every day. So God provides for them just as he will provide for each one of us our daily bread. So Jesus, then he goes and he tells us and reminds us about how much more valuable we are than the birds. Knowing that Jesus has given his life for us. He didn't give his life for the birds. He gave it for us. We are his treasure. Because we are his treasure, because we are his children, we don't need to worry. Because as God's children, we can trust him always. Let's continue back in Matthew chapter 6. Look at 28 through 30. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So in verses, a minute ago we looked at 25 through 27, the focus was kind of on food, right? Example, the birds were given. In these passages, he's produces his promising to provide for our basic clothing, our basic physical needs that we need. So Jesus, again, is painting a picture of the lilies of the field and how God made them and how he made them beautiful. And that not even Solomon, the richest and wisest man in all his money, could not be dressed as beautiful as God's creation, the wildflowers. So again, Jesus reminded us, because apparently I need a lot of reminding to put my faith and trust in Jesus that he will provide and he will always care for us and that we are his treasure. Now look again at verse 30, the end of it especially. It says, why do you have so little faith? Again, we either trust God 
to provide for us. Or we say to him, I don't believe your promises. I don't believe your word. I got this. I'm going to take care of myself. It's one or the other. Are we being... The question, I mean, we look, we look at our life. Are we being diligent? Are we working hard? But then trusting God to provide as he has promised. Let's continue. Look at verse 31 through 33. So don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. We are not to concern ourselves with worry, but continually to seek God. Sounds simple. I don't know if any of us are really that good at it. I'm not very good at this. The scripture is clear. I mean, it sounds, you know, don't worry, don't concern yourselves with these things. I'll take care of you. Trust me. Sounds easy. But then Jesus also, we know he issues a strong rebuke to us, didn't he? He tells us that each one of us, as children of God, if we worry about our basic needs, our basic provisions, that we are not trusting him and we're acting as we have never placed our faith in Jesus. That's what he says there. Jesus is continuing right up to the end of this message, his sermon, to address our heart condition with our relationship with him. And who we are to be as Christians, as his children. If we are his children, we are not to worry. He will take care of us. And if we are full of worry, then we're saying Jesus' word, Jesus' promises are not true. Look at verse 33 again. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I want to read this in the Amplified Bible, the same verse, verse 33. It says, But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then, all these things taken together will be given you besides. These are the closing verses that Jesus has given to close up the Sermon on the Mount. Seek him with all that we are and all that each of us have been given and Jesus promises to provide for all of our needs. How do you live that out? How do you walk in that? What's that look like? I want to share out of a commentary I was reading and it says, ask yourself, how can I spend less time worrying about my bank account and more time serving the church? Less time worrying about the mortgage and more time visiting the sick. Less time worrying about the kids' college tuition payments and more time learning the Bible. We, you know, we, I, I need to pray each and every day that God would place his desires upon my hearts and my focus, my sole focus would be to seek out heavenly treasures to bring the lost know Jesus. And don't worry about these provisions. God will provide. And again, that's not saying we don't need to work hard each day. We do our work each day and then we trust God. Let's read the conclusion of this teaching in verse 34. The last verse of this entire sermon that we've been studying for months. Verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble 
is enough for today. To have joy. To have peace. To know that God is our provider. Turn over to Exodus 16.4. Exodus 16.4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much as food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. I'll just stop there. God provided for the people then. He provides for us now. And he says, well, you follow my instructions. Our focus today is to follow Jesus and trust each and every day that he will provide and meet our needs in every area of our life. Last week, I don't know if you, how many remember, I gave seven points on how we should be in prayer and, in, and fasting. And this week I was studying, and as I was studying, I was reading a commentary, and it gave seven points about how not to worry. I was like, well, it's like the same seven points, so I, I just thought I should share them with you. If you look back to Matthew, turn back to how we're starting in verse 25. Look at that verse. These are seven points of why we should not worry. In verse chap, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, the same God who created life in you can be trusted with the details of your life. Look at verse 26. Worrying about the future hampers your efforts for today. Look at verse 27. Worrying is more harmful than helpful. Look at verses 28 through 30. God does not ignore those who depend on Him. Look at verse 33. There are real challenges God wants us to pursue, and worrying keeps us from them. Then look at 34, verse 34. Living one day at a time keeps us from being consumed with worry. So Jesus has called each and every one of us to trust Him, to rely upon Him, and to seek Him for all of our needs. And if we are going to be storing up earthly treasure, we're not trusting the Lord. In fact, if we're doing that, we're worried about how we're going to live, how we're going to make it. We are to walk in faith. We are to walk in faith. And we are to seek everlasting treasure from Him each and every day. Now, one, one thought as I close up this message. What about COVID? How does that apply to this? What do you think? I mean, it's a little out of context, but I don't think it's that far off. I believe this applies, and I believe each of us are to be faithful each day to further the kingdom, to be seeking heavenly treasure while trusting God's will each and every day. We must not like, be like the world, living with worry. We are to be out there sharing the hope of Jesus. And if we're living in a life of worry, what if this happens to me? What if that happens to me? We're not living in faith. We're not. We should be sharing the hope of Jesus, not sharing that we can't trust Jesus to watch over us and protect us. Maybe it's controversial. I don't think so. I want to close with the scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 8. 
Yet true godliness with contentment itself great wealth. Sorry, let me read it again. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. That's a question. What are we content with? Do we have our needs met? And I'm going to tell you, I know God will provide for each and every one of you. I also know this church well. Because if there's anyone with true needs, just let us know. Because we are the body. And part of the body and the church is to be God's hands in various situations like this. I don't think anyone's going hungry around here. But I'm just saying if they were, we would want to help out with that. Or if you know someone. Because God provides. He will take care of his people. And, I, you know, as I read this, for me, worry is interesting for me. I can take, like, certain things. I can take, like, big leaps of faith, personally. Like, I just go, like, all, I just shared two weeks ago about the new church. I literally emptied everything we had. I said, God told me to do it. I'm doing it. Yet I'll get wrapped up with some of the littlest, dumbest things and just worry all about them. It's like the big things I trust God in. It's like the little things that get me. I don't even know why. It's just strange. But this really convicted me. Just to let it go. Trust God. Start each day in prayer like we learned last week. Commit your day to the Lord. Work hard at whatever God has called you to do. Work hard. Do it well. Do a good job. And then know God will provide for all your needs. Again, it's like the birds though. Some people are like, I'm just going to sit around and God's going to bless me. It's not the picture that we have here. We see people working really hard and being very diligent. But God always provides. And so, I don't know. I just, I felt convicted in the COVID thing. I do believe that does apply. I really do. I don't think we should be living a life of worry and anguish and fear over something such as this. God is so much bigger than this. I'm not saying we shouldn't use wisdom. You know, I know I have families that aren't here today because they're not feeling well. And I would say they shouldn't be here today. We use wisdom, but we don't have to live in worry. There's a difference. We don't have to live in fear. So please join me in prayer. If the worship team could head up, it would be great. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, as we learn about possessions or our treasures and worry, and Lord, the things that we should be seeking, Lord, are not earthly possessions, Lord. It's not that you won't even bless us with these things at times, Lord, and they can be used for your glory, Lord, to be used to go out and share the hope of Jesus. But Lord, we're to seek heavenly treasures, Lord. And the heavenly treasures, Lord, is the gospel. It's the good news. It's those that have received you as their Savior, Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for this, Lord, and I just thank you for the message to remind me I don't need to worry. I need to, I need to follow after you each and every day. I need to seek you in all areas of my life, Lord, and you will take care of me, Lord. You will provide for me and my family and all of our needs, Lord, abundantly. You always have and you've always been faithful, Lord, year after year after year, Lord. So, Lord, I do trust you because I know anything less, Lord, would be a lack of faith. So, Lord, if there's anyone here that even myself, Lord, if we've been in worry, Lord, let us repent of that. Let, me, let us turn from worry, Lord, and turn to faith. Let, let us turn from not believing your promises and your word and turn to believe, to trust and knowing that your word is true, that your promises are true. Because we don't have to worry because we serve a mighty God, Lord, that loves his children and will always watch after us. So, Lord, show us how we can be used this week, Lord. Show us how we can go out, Lord, into this world, Lord, and seek that, that worldly 
just set the worldly treasure aside, Lord, and seek the things that are of you, Lord, that heavenly treasure, Lord. Show us, each of us, what that looks like. Lord, that we'd have a clear vision, Lord, of what that is for us, Lord. So, Lord, please watch over your church this week. Lord, as we go upstairs and have a wonderful time of fellowship, please bless our food and the rest of our evening, Lord. And we just thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you most of all, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.